Welcome to episode 20 of the Unity Society podcast. I'm Jenny Randolph. And I'm Dieter Randolph. 20 episodes. 20 episodes. Very cool. Yeah, next week it'll be six months, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm so thrilled that we continue to do this. I I think, I hope it's helping everybody else that listens to this, but it's I'm going to have a selfish moment here and say... <laughs> I love what it's doing for me and for us, and I, I'm really blessed to be able to talk about these things with you and, you know, learn and teach and just have the back and yeah. forth, and I love it. I, yeah. I've been loving it. It's been have, I've been having so much fun. Well, you know, the, the thing is, it, as always, you never really learn a thing until you set yourself up to teach it. There's something about the accountability, sure. and that applies to anything whether it's metaphysical or very, very concrete. And so this accountability of having to do the podcast every week has, it, it's, there's something really wonderful and beautiful about it. Obviously, Jenny, I'm so grateful to be doing anything with you. But I also want to thank the people listening for putting up with us for nearly six months now. You know, we're still learning and we're still growing, but we've been getting such wonderful feedback and folks have shared with us privately and publicly what's worked for them, what stuck out for them. And even some folks have said, well, you know, I didn't really get X, Y, and Z, and that's really helpful too. So we're just so grateful for this fierce tribe that is developing around this. So thanks for sticking around, and we're going to keep getting better and keep up the good work on your end too, please. So as we start our Gather Round segment, there's some monumental things happening in our family our youngest is graduating from college on saturday that's amazing and he is graduating summa cum laude Mm -hmm. and he is an amazing young man and i couldn't be more proud i know i will cry at the graduation oh man Um, yeah i i I may have said i'm gonna have to hydrate before during and after (laughs) waterproof mascara all that good business yeah right exactly exactly for sure and lots of pictures, which I'm sure he, he won't be thrilled about, but he doesn't get a choice about it. But I'm just, like I said, I'm just so grateful. And for us, it represents the last kid is done with school. Mm-hmm. We don't have any kids in school anymore. That's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well, been two decades of kids in school. Yeah, well, especially because we homeschooled. And I say we, I mean mostly you. <laughs> I was around here and there, but... So they have been at school with a direct relationship to you and I forever, their whole lives, you know, because we started the homeschooling process when they were very, very small, Mm -hmm. and here we go. I have to say, though, and we're going to talk about this more in subsequent podcasts, and this time I mean it. We are going to talk about this more later, but after the graduation, uh, we've set up some time with Miles and Raina, both of our children, where we're going to uh, to do sort of the last part of homeschooling, which is what we call adult school, which is all the stuff that maybe you didn't pick up in college and stuff that functional adults need to know how to do in order to be functional adults and in order to make a difference in the world. Sure, and we'll like, talk more about what that is, but just just as a as a way to sort of plant the seed, if you're listening and you have some thoughts about what makes a grown up. And what do you wish someone had sat you down and taught you? Let us know. I mean, we've got a pretty substantial list, but it could be anything. And uh, and we'd love to know about it. And we will do our best over the course of the summer, that's the length of this curriculum, to uh, to share it with, with our babies. Well, you know, maybe we should, just for the next little bit, maybe we should add a segment. 
like this week in adult yeah, school. Yeah, this week in adult school. So let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk off, about it. You know, yeah, on our off off camera. time. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, hopefully not, nobody's watching this, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Anyway. Um, and also, there's another uh, parental milestone, and that is that this weekend is Mother's Day. It's true. Um, you often tell me I'm a real mother. I get that a lot, too. <laughs> um, you know, I I think about you 24 hours a day, but if you know me, you know that I am notoriously bad at the the you know, Mother's Day sort of things. I never forget Mother's Day anniversary. I never forget birthdays. I never forget them. But I, you know, it's it's never exactly as highfalutin as my aspirations. And so it's it's one of those things. So I have to say that this time, you know, the kids and I have planned a bunch of stuff. They're, the office downstairs has got a pretty good number of boxes in it uh, that have Mother's Day presents. There's something else coming tomorrow. There's stuff going on. And uh, I am not speaking or anything on that Sunday. We got nowhere to be that morning. And so I'm delighted that we could just take a minute. And that's weird for a, you know, a ministerial family to not be uh, uh, accounted for on a Sunday morning. And I'm just so grateful that we can just be the four of us. Well, I think we deserve a couple of days out of the year off of a, of a Sunday. Mm. And so um, what better day than one honoring me? I mean, come <laughs> on now. <laughs> Hello. Very nice. No, Very nice. but I, I am looking forward to just spending the day with everybody. And presents are nice, but as you know, it's, it's mostly just about having everybody in the same room. We do have older kids, and they scatter, and they have their own lives, and they have their own relationships out there. And well, and we got about five minutes left before people sure. move out and yeah, stuff happens, yeah. and you know. Yeah, so I'm just the grateful. The authorities catch up with them, you know, whatever it, whatever it happens to be. I'm just grateful for the time, and I'm grateful that we can just be together. So as sappy and probably ordinary as that may sound, that's what that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, and, and I want to remind you that even if our children move out and move on to things you still have to deal with me it's true and i am uh just uh, right now it's weird that i don't have it with me but i purchased a new toy this week oh lord that yeah oh every time i hear a whirring i look around and and i see it and ladies and gentlemen uh my husband uh has bought himself a fidget spinner now if you don't know what that is you will because it's they're everywhere yeah and it's they're it's, everywhere especially uh, in elementary schools but everything. they're also it's, in middle schools but i hear that the middle school kids are like filing down the edges to make like throwing well stars you know you stuff. get a you get a situation <laughs> where anything that it's about to break it's the next upcoming sort of fad thing and it's it's as that mm-hmm. it's going to be if it isn't already currency in oh, classrooms sure. and, oh, and sure. somebody's going to weaponize it and all that but right now it's just a fun thing now fidget spinners were invented a long time ago as it turns out as a way to help kids who for different reasons are having challenges focusing for like adhd well, kids or a... hyperactive or just i think you know i'm gonna here's gonna be an opinion of mine but mm-hmm. just based on raising a boy and a girl 
Raina, who is our daughter, she could sit and focus. And I hear that a lot. Like girls are able to sort of sit and focus and do their work at a table or at a desk or something like that. When Miles came along, he did his math, you know, upside down on the couch. If, if I tried to make him sit at the table and do his math sitting down, especially when he was younger, there was no way. it was He would have been sitting there for four hours doing it. So... Right. For me personally, my personal experience is sometimes even when you have a real active kid, whether it's a boy or a girl, for for us it was Miles. Miles was our more active um, kid and he has not been diagnosed with ADHD or attention, anything attention deficit or hyperactivity or anything like that. He was just a normal boy and um, he couldn't sit still either. So they weren't around when he was young and I think, I, I think he would have benefited from it be, simply because it does sort of help him focus. In fact, he was messing with yours last night. And yeah, he... the four of us were watching, well, we were watching Luke Cage. We talked about that last week. We have a few more episodes for But the, the four of us were watching it, and Miles was playing with my fidget spinner, and after the show was over, he's like, yeah, you know what? I didn't even have a desire to get on my phone. Right. So, man, that's a that's a breakthrough. Right. You know, but for me, it's a it's a goofy toy. I think that it's it's more serious for people who have more legitimate challenges that they're working through and all of that. And that's beautiful. I don't want to take away from that. And I certainly hope that that if if you have a kid who's in that middle school age, that the shenanigans and the sharpening the edges and the trading and currency and doing tricks, if you YouTube, YouTube for, you know, fidget spinner tricks, with people throwing them up in the air and stuff. Sure. If that's going on in a classroom, I'm afraid that teachers are going to put their foot down and, and ban them. And that's too bad because I think it's helping people. For me, it's because during the day I'm on the phone a lot, and if I don't do something like that, there's a strong temptation to start writing in my journal or start reading a book, and that's not cool when you're in a meeting and people need to know what you're doing. So it's it's just a nice little way to focus, but here's the thing. A friend of mine sent me an article, and, and uh, my friend is Jewish, and he sent me an article that was written by a rabbi about fidget spinners, and he said, you know, I'm not an expert in you know, the psychology that goes around that. I'm not an ADHD expert or anything like that. But here's what I know as a rabbi. The, there's a Hebrew word for, for people. And the word, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, so bear with me. But I believe it's pronounced malchim. And it means travelers. So nice. your basic definition is that you're on a journey. And in fact, the, the idea, and this is one that we in Unity can certainly sympathize with as well, is that... You're free. Everybody's born with free will, but you are sort of programmed with or you're born with an inherent desire for motion, mm. growth, evolution. We yearn per for perfection. Now, we know that perfection can't be had out in the material. The perfect part of you is that Christ, that unchangeable, capital T, truth of you. And the whole rest of life is sort of in process. So it's about embracing the motion and the process. You can't sit still because you were built for speed. And so the rabbi says in the article, it's no wonder that you want to sit there and play with something that, that moves. And in fact, he says, that moves so easily mm. that you can put something into motion because that's what you were designed for. And so I love that. I love that too. And, and I read the article. My friend Michael sent that to me today. And I love that because... Now I can justify this toy, but also all, when I when I play with the toy, I'm thinking about oh, you know what? This is 
I'm here to move. And that's good because we live in a culture that really encourages holding still and stagnation and all that yucky stuff. So it's safe to say that it's Dieter tested, rabbi approved? Yeah. And, you know, that's the stamp. <laughs> We're going to start. I'm going to. No, I'm going to. That's yeah. terrible. <laughs> it says so in the box. Right? Um, I just want to go back real quick to something you said. And, and I think you thought that maybe I missed it, but you were talking about, oh, just go on YouTube and Google fidget spinner tricks. I know that that's what you were doing. I know that you've done and looked up all of those tricks. You would have been one of those middle schoolers that were trying that to spoiled hack. it for people yes. who are legitimately exactly. helped by that it. would have hacked the system and made a ninja star and done all of that business. You would have been naughty. Well, unquestionably, unquestionably, yeah. And and I'm not gonna say I haven't tried to throw my fidget spinner up in the air and catch it in a creative manner. Please just don't do it on my tile. Okay, not the tile in the kitchen. Don't, because it has ball bearings in it. It's heavy. It's, yeah. Yeah, and it's gonna crack a tile. Please. Well, no, I've I've learned my lesson about that. All that is holy. Please. Because a number of years ago, I learned how to spin my pen around my fingers and goofy things like that, mm-hmm. and I was practicing that because that's what grown-ups do. Sure. During a meeting, and I dropped the pen. I kind of threw it across the room, and I swore loudly. And remembered at that moment that I was not on mute for the meeting, and so everyone heard that. And that was, you know, a good way to punctuate the intense conversation about Beautiful. some kind of computer something or other. Beautiful. So I learned my lesson. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Speaking of sort of trying to find something that helps you pay attention, mm-hmm. you know, along the lines of the fidget spinner and all that good stuff. Something happened this morning when we were on our walk, and... It's our Wednesday, it was Wednesday walk because we record these on Wednesday. So it was Wednesday morning and you're, as you know, everyone's always invited to come with us on those. And sometimes, you know, there's folks that we know there and sometimes there's not. And this morning it just happened to be you and me. And we just, we were walking and I noticed that on a little tree stump was a little black rock and on the black rock and it was painted, it was painted black. And then there were words written on it in red. I think it was probably painted. Mm-hmm. And it said, have a great day. And Yeah, I took a picture of it for the yeah, Unity Society it's, Instagram. It's on Instagram. So if you follow us on Instagram, you'll go and take a look at that picture and all that good stuff. But we found that on the walk. And it initially occurred to me because I was like, oh, what? You know, I had seen it because it was like, I don't, I don't know what caught my eye. I don't know what made me look at it. But as soon as I found it, I thought, okay, somebody placed this here on purpose, obviously. But how many people were not paying attention enough to notice it? How many people walked by it? I didn't see it. And didn't see it. Well, think about that. It is a rock painted black with dark red lettering on it. I mean, that was a Where's Waldo moment for sure. Right? And so I just took a moment to appreciate the ability to just look around and be present. And it was a nice lesson for me. Now, you know, you can go into the mystical sense or whatever and say, oh yeah, it was divine order that I saw this Yeah, but everything's divine order. That's a, right. you know, and, and I'm not God's gonna, always yeah, in charge. I'm not going to go a, into, this, a, into yeah. a mystical point of view on this. But what I am saying is that it reminded me to pay attention. It was a lovely reminder. It wasn't that you know, something happened, something magical happened, and I had just happened to find the rock at the very right moment or anything like that. But you get what you're ready for. There's right. no mumbo jumbo. Exactly. It's about waking up to your life. And I just love the reminder, B 
be present, yeah. be yeah. here. And that was a nice thing that happened today. I just, I loved that. I and thought I, it was nice. I love that. I love that you saw it. It says a lot about you. And I love the idea that there are people in the world who took the time to paint some rocks and leave them places. It made me want to do it. Yeah. That might be something that we have the teenagers do or something like that. And maybe we'll start Oh, for like, like a, a retreat or something. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to the yeah, ambassadors I, I about that. Yeah, I was thinking about it. So anyway. But... Well, and I have this fantasy that someday there'll be a building that we're associated with. And maybe as part of that, there'll be a rock garden where oh, people like give one and take and one people and... can leave rocks there that they've painted and other people can you know while you're there grab a few to go disperse throughout the neighborhood you I know love that you know, little stuff like I that i love that maybe we should start it maybe I, we should anyway clearly somebody it. has already started it but yeah. you know maybe we can do our right. own spin on it ah, uh, uh, As we dig in tonight, I wanted to talk for a minute about the difference between prayer and meditation. And this comes up for all kinds of reasons. People are often asking, well, how does this prayer thing work? Similarly, what does it mean to, you know, it's right now it's Wednesday and across the planet, Wednesday is the time when people have prayer and meditation services. I don't know why, it's halfway to Sunday, I guess, I don't know, but anyway, People ask, what's the right way to meditate? What's the right way to pray? What's the difference? Are they one and the same thing? Is the line blurry? Do you need special accoutrement? Do you need, you know, Tibetan bowls and, you know, special sounds and an outfit? And all of that kind of stuff. And there is a spectrum of sensibilities and questions and ideas about prayer, meditation, the right way to do it. And on top of that, I was remembering that, you know, you and I did the service at a place a long time ago now, and uh, they invited us to come speak, and as part of the uh, invitation, the email said, you're going to do the meditation. You know, most Sunday services have a little meditation time, you know. And uh, this one, remember this? They said, our people are accustomed to seven minutes in the silence. Oh, I do remember. Remember that? That was, oh, that was so difficult. It was so. You so know how long? There's seven that, minutes is a long time on a Sunday morning. There's that line in the Shawshank Redemption when he says, "You know, when you're alone in your in your cell, it says time can draw like a blade." Mm-hmm. And I identify that's a long time. It is a long time. And it got me thinking. For some reason, that stuck out in my mind this morning. And it got me thinking about. There's no right or wrong way to do Sunday morning church stuff. You know, it's not about oh, I that. I think it's just Different things speak to right. different communities, and it's got to, I think it's got to speak to what the spiritual leader, the minister, the preacher, the rabbi, whatever, it's got to speak to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. That's, they're, they're the representative of spirit there. They get to make the call on that. But I have to say that I don't know if meditation is essential on a Sunday morning service. Well, before we get into that, let's go back and I would like for each of us to sort of take a moment to to define prayer and meditation for ourselves. Okay. I think that that's kind of important. So let's define it before we start, you know, kind of saying... Yeah, I got some soapboxy stuff uh, to do, so let's take a minute. You're right. Yeah, I I think that that might be a nice... Soapboxy. Soapboxy. It's a a new verb. Soapboxy, but good. Anyway... (laughs) 
And I think that there, for me, there is a difference. Part of it is, is that I come from a past of a lot of different religions. Mm -hmm. One of those religious experiences that, uh, that I went through as a teenager, probably 15, 16-ish, um, I went for two years uh, to TM classes. And right. if you don't know what TM is, that's Transcendental Meditation classes. And met with a teacher, um, met with a master, and we would go sometimes as with my brothers and sisters, sometimes you would go alone. And I actually went through the final ceremony where you bring offerings to the altar and you are given your mantra and all of that. So, I, so I've been through that process. So for me, meditation is very personal. There is a, a goal to it. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a level of respect and a level of privacy. Like you are not supposed to repeat your mantra to anyone. Well, it, that just makes all. me think of the Jeff Goldblum line in Annie Hall. I'm not going to quote it. Go Google the Jeff Goldblum line in Annie Hall and you'll know what I'm talking about. Sure. But and, and and the thing is, is, you know, what do I know? I don't, I don't really practice like T the full the, the TM full, the full thing. TM stuff anymore because I don't think that it needs to be so rigid. Okay. For for me, but it it's going to help explain where I'm coming from, so I wanted to give a little bit of background and a little bit of history. So going through that in pretty formative years, you're trying to figure out who you are and what you believe and where you're where you're headed. So 15, 16 years old, um, and going through this process. I think what it did for me was meditation for me is very personal. Mm -hmm. But I also had a very fundamentalist experience where it was Assemblies of God and it was Baptist and it was Mormon. And on the other side of that, prayer was very different. It was a public declaration. It was a statement of faith. It was it was done. You know, I have said it. It is done. It is in God's hand. You spoke and, the and word, it, man. Yeah, you spoke the word. You've sent it up. Mm -hmm. And and we are done now. Yeah. And so for me, I think the definition is very, very clear. But again, that's been my personal experience. So prayer is a public, non-ceasing, faith-based claim that you walk th through your life constantly dealing with on a regular basis. And meditation is when you really go in and you listen. So I guess for me, prayer is talking, meditation is listening. But that's it. There's I, I am 100% on board for that definition. And in fact, that's the Unity Sunday School definition, as you know. It, it's an oversimplification, maybe, but maybe not. Prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. You can talk to God in community. We can we can pray together. Mm -hmm. We can we can hold that vision together. Some you know spiritual leader type person, teacher, whatever you call it, can give a prayer, and we can all be on the same page together. We can say the words together, or just listen along and bless something together. We can talk to God together, but you can't listen in community. It, you, listening is an individual exercise yeah it's like saying the blessing for at the meal time mm -hmm. we're not going to go into a full-on meditation for cry i listen you every know? thanksgiving I mean, we're accustomed to seven minutes of silence no, before and, the tofurkey and, right and that sort of leads us back to the idea of having 
quote unquote meditation on Sunday morning, I don't think it's appropriate. Well, I, I don't know that it's, let me say it this way. It doesn't speak to me. And when I think back to all of my years as a Unity baby, it never really did anything for me. And it's not because I have, you know, I talked about having trouble holding still, but the truth is I can meditate for hours mm -hmm. because that's different. I can't sit on the phone for hours, but I can I can sit in the silence and I, I know what's up as far as that goes. But that is very intimate. That's very private. That's very personal. And so to me, meditation in a big group of people feels like doing your homework in class where it's like, well, you can, but... You're supposed to do that on your own. It's supposed to augment the learning. For me, Sunday morning is like an educational opportunity. We're saying we mean it. We're thinking about ideas together. We're, we're doing that. And then as part of the going away and letting it sink in process, being open and receptive, I think that that's something that happens on your own. So for me, I'm not saying this is everybody's truth. And if it speaks to somebody listening, more power to you. But for me... I never got the meditation benefit out of the meditation thing that happened on Sunday morning. When I meditate, and I do all the time, it's part of my daily practice, I, there's a benefit. I'm able to listen. I get some clarity. I spend some time with spirit. That The whole thing, everything you're thinking of. And But I never got that out of the communal thing on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or anything else. That's something different, and I'm not sure what itch that scratches. doesn't really do anything for me. Okay, so there's, there's two things that I want to point out. And the first one is that the prayer that I want on Sunday morning is a prayer to be open and receptive to the learning experience that I'm about to get mm -hmm. from whoever I'm watching, whoever I'm listening to, or maybe even from the singers that are doing a solo. I want to be open and receptive to a message and, and receive it loud and clear. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of prayer that I want to pray on a Sunday morning. And I think that that is beautiful and communal. Here's the problem with those sort of the idea of the meditative sitting in the silence, going on a journey, you know, having having that experience. Here's the problem for me about those. I think it teaches very bad habits. Okay. Because let's say, you know, your average meditation is probably, what, three minutes on a Sunday, something yeah. like that. And a lot of times it's flowery language. A lot of times you're on it's a beach your breathing. And you see a hut sometimes, and yeah, a fire, sometimes but it's it a journey meditation. You. It just feels or, good. And, you know, and the ones I really dislike are, you know, you're going out and find your spirit animal. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't, I just can't. Sometimes we're going to talk it, about all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but, but, like, you know, but if people know us, they already know where we're coming from. But Bill but, Murray is my spirit animal. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, it's, it's like, I, please, come on. You know, I mean, if something appears to you, again, that is so intimate and, and I, but the I thing is, all of that don't, is... I'm not fed by it. But anyway... All of that is ego. Yeah. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But I think it teaches bad habit. And, you know, I think that we've talked about sort of fast food religion before. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've touched on it in the, in the podcast. But I think it teaches bad habits. I think that when you sit there for three minutes and somebody else is doing the meditation for you and you think you're sitting in the silence... I think that you think you're prayed up for the week. Yes, 
I think so too. And yeah, so it, it doesn't encourage you to go do the meditation thing at home or privately because the training wheels are still on mm -hmm. kind of thing. And here's the other thing. There are a lot of religious traditions that encourage the idea that the outside world is bad and that our church, temple, spiritual campus, whatever it's called, our, our thing is a fortress and we protect against the sinners or the close-minded people or the whatever you want to call it, the other, right? And there's this idea that we're supposed to have this place that's protected from the outside world. Well, that's not unity. It's a valid belief system. It's just not our belief system. And let me double down on that. It's also not what Jesus did. Our job is not attractional. And attractional means people come to you. There are lots of churches that are attractional, and that theology is just fine. It's just not our theology. I, I just want to double down on that. However, our concept and the one that Jesus demonstrated is not attractional. It's missional. And the difference is attractional people come to you. Missional, you go out into the world. Our job is to go out into the world and change things. We don't need to make everybody agree with us, but we need to show people what love looks like. That's our job. Radical love and outrageous compassion, audacious mercy out there in the world going and doing those things. And for me, meditation is the withdrawal part. And that's valid for a little bit. There are times in Jesus' story, Moses' story, a lot of our spiritual heroes in their story where they go away, they go into the wilderness for a while. Yes. But heroes come back. And so the idea of teaching meditation as a permanent way of being is a little bit like saying teaching withdrawal, not engagement with the world. And there's enough of that in church anyway. Church is supposed to feel like this is where you go to get geared up to go change the world. Yeah, so, it's like it's like you need to go away to ninja prayer school. You know, I mean, really, but that's you do. You you go away into the wilderness and whether you do that on a weekend or whether you do that on a daily basis, you set aside time to listen mm -hmm. and to get clear on your and own. to get right on your own and you come back better, wiser, stronger, and ready to do the work that you're supposed to do. But that's but you can't live in withdrawal. Right. And, and that's so, what meditation is. That's what and it's and it is completely different than prayer. But I feel like teaching the withdrawal as part of the Sunday morning thing encourages yes. compartmentalization. Yes. It encourages the idea that church isn't where I get equipped to go out into the world, it's where I escape the world. Yes. And that's not what we're here to teach. And so there's a number of levels where, once again, if it works for somebody else, if somebody's doing it in a way that really speaks to you, that's awesome. But I gotta tell you, it doesn't speak to me. So what I would encourage folks to do is ask yourself, is this helping me engage with the world or is this helping foster the idea that the world's not so good and that I need special, safe, wildernessy kind of places? And just ask yourself what you're trying to get out of this experience. And to the other piece of it, the part of, well, how do I pray just right? Well, we'll talk about that at some point. Um, there's a lot to read and a lot to think about. But right now, once again, if prayer is talking to God, did you talk to God? Did you put it out there? And did you let it go? So yes. we'll talk, that's a big part of it. But do you need special gear for that? Of course not. 
the whole point of all of this work that we do is to get to the place where it's just you and God and really just God. Well, here is my pattern and I, I don't and I don't know if this is going to help folks out there or not, but this is this is kind of what I do. As I'm going through my day, there's a lot of things that crop up. Maybe I got a sick kid, maybe you know, a bill got unpaid, didn't go, you know, I owe something, or maybe there's something that I get scared about. Maybe one of my kids just got in, almost got in a fender bender. Maybe they forgot to file something. There's a bunch of stuff that, that throughout the day that you can be sort of scared about, that you don't have the answers to, that you haven't figured out yet. And so anytime that happens, there's a prayer for me. I'm like, God, I know you got this and I don't know the answer right now, but okay, I'm, I'm sending up a prayer that I know that there is an answer out there and I don't really send up the prayer, but you know you know the, what I mean. It's, yeah. it's a turn of phrase. I just don't want to confuse, you yeah, know, that, throwing, it, that it's not going anywhere. We're not, we're not throwing pennies it. at God's yeah. bedroom yeah, window. Yeah, no, we're not sending it anywhere. It's just like, because God is everywhere and blah, 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 whatever. But when you say up, what you're talking about is lifting up your lifting, eye, right. seeing the and, higher, and, and yeah, lifting, I got it. lifting the trouble off of your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to turn a phrase, that's, giving, that's it over. giving it over. Right, exactly. So throughout the day, I'll, I'll give over any time I feel hurt or sick or afraid or anything that crops up. Don't have the answers, but no, God does. And I know that in time, I will have the answers too. And so at the end of the night, when I'm sort of sitting and I get my quiet moment and to be honest, I don't do it every night. I probably should. I probably would be a more calm, well-rounded person if I did, but I do it quite often, not every day, but quite often. That's when the answers come. Is at the end of the day in the meditation or in the morning when you wake up, all of those prayers that you have lifted mm-hmm. and don't have the answers to, and you're talking to God and you're giving them over, in your meditative time, be still and be quiet and those answers will come. And there's been times when I've gone to sleep with something on my mind and said, there's a solution. And that has been my prayer. There's no special words. I'm like, I'm not going to worry about this. I know that there's a solution. And nine times out of 10, I wake up with a solution mm-hmm. because I've given it over. And whether that's my mind processing it and, you know, being able to shut out the day and God, I'm able to listen to God then when I, you know, nothing else is going on. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's, what's happening, but that's what I do. So I, I pray every day, throughout the day, well, all and, the time. And you're supposed to. But the, here's the way to, to – there's no set rules for how to pray. I can, I can give a lot of recommendations for things. And I've talked about the see, speak, surrender process, and I want to do a whole thing on it sometime. But real quick – Prayer doesn't start with what you say. It starts with what you see, your your paradigm, your idea about who and what God is, who and what you are, and so on. It starts there. Get so filled with what you see that you can't shut up about it. Then you speak the word. And then you get out of the way. Ideally, the process works like this. It's okay if it starts in an ego place of this is the thing that I want, right? But here's the process. At first, it's just you talking. And then it's you and God. 
then if you hit it right, it's just God. Now, however you get there, that's great. But I would argue that pay attention to how much you really need all of the, you know, the special necklace and the dream catcher and the lucky astrology mood watch and the, the, the special Tibetan bowls and the music and the incense and the outfits and you face the four directions and it's exhausting. Yeah. And, and I don't have time for that. It, it reminds me we were walking and, um, there were a couple of construction guys and they were watching a couple of other guys way up like high in a window building. washing rig. I remember yeah, this. And, yeah. And, um, one of the guys they were they were talking about you know probably how much money they were making and pro- because they probably make I'm sure a you bit get more. some kind of hazard pay yeah, or yeah yeah and that was sort of the conversation and one of the guys said he said one of those wires snaps and they're dead he said I don't got time for that I don't got time and, to be dead and I thought that is so American isn't it mm. it's like that is like the I don't have time to be dead because I'm too busy I'm too busy to be dead I'm well, too busy to die and, and I and and but that's but that's how I feel about all of this add-on stuff I am too busy through my life to to have all of all of those abstractions well I, I and just, the goal the goal is oneness mm-hmm. that's the goal and so it's so easy for folks to get caught up and did you have the right merchandise involved and like I said before all of that is ego and let's get to a place where we don't need it if you if you need to use it to get there fine sometimes people need training wheels sometimes you walk with a limp and you need a cane for a while but you need to let go of that at a certain point the idea is to simplify and so you know i just that kind of stuff doesn't do it for me what do you need to do to remember that God's in charge? What do you need to do to get rid of an intermediary or two? Because that is the goal of the prayer process. Get to a place where it's just God. All right, this is part of our podcast, the Listen Up part, where we answer your questions and Dieter you have a question this week yeah this comes from Kyle G and Kyle says when we pray we tend to use parental terms like father mother even father mother I don't know what that means because I know that we don't believe that God is a guy up in the sky so why do we use parental terms this is a good question Well, yeah, because Mother's Day is coming up. (laughs) And we always say in this house, Mother, Father, God. Yeah, and I, it's so funny because I inevitably will say it both ways when I'm doing like a Sunday lesson or something. And, And oftentimes at the end, you know, when I'm blessing the offering, let's say when I speak somewhere, I'll say, infinite Lord, wise and loving Mother, Father, God. Mm -hmm. And I have heard, sometimes I've seen, but often heard the gasp of what, what <gasps> was that, you know? And it's such a funny thing. We are not suggesting that God is a biological persona. That's, you know, Zeus kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. We're not materialists. Very Roman. We're not suggesting that God has one or the other or both or some combination of sets of uh, plumbing, so to speak, That's not the point either. Here's what's the point. 
we use parental terms because what we are talking about is a loving creator. That your source is not just the, the, the source like the source of a stream or something, although that's part of it, because your source also loves you. And, and look, I understand that there are people who, who hear those parental terms and they think, you know, that's great, but you know what, I had a really dysfunctional relationship with one or the other or both of my parents. And I can't handle it. I don't want to think about Father God or Mother God because my father and or my mother gave me a hard time. And I understand that. And I'm not going to apologize for it, but I will say, okay, let's take a minute and let's take a breath on that. Because here's the thing. I don't know what your experience is with your biological parents, your earthly parents. But you know that your parentage comes from a different place, too. That your real inheritance, your real birthright, is not biological or material. And, and let me say more about that. Even if you had a pretty negative experience with your biological parents, somewhere in your heart, you know what a perfect parent, the ideal father or mother, would be like for you. Think about a couple of things there. Think about the fact that even if you have no direct experience of it, you've got that programming in your heart. That's interesting. Where did that idea of love come from if you've not experienced that kind of love? There's something to that. But let's move beyond your particular experience of an earthly parent and think about what is that perfect parent, the, the, the parent who sees with the eyes of love, that when they look at their children, they only see in terms of pure potentiality and, and not just where you are, but where you can be and where you are inevitably going. That's how God sees you, and that's why it's important. It's time to unload some of the emotional baggage about parental stuff, and maybe you've got some forgiveness work to do, and that's totally valid. Maybe you've just got some moving on to do. You know, sometimes you have to reconcile with your parents, but sometimes the reconciliation is saying, you know what, thanks for showing me what not to do. The line of weird, dysfunctional stuff ends with me. I am not passing this on, and I'm not hanging out with you because you hurt people. You know what? Sometimes that's the answer. Sometimes tough love is the deal. Not always. Not even often. But sometimes. But one way or another, what we're talking about is the source of your life. The truth about you, that divine spark in you, came from a place that loves you and is so close, so intimately close. You know, probably, I'm sure you know this. If you're listening to this podcast, you've been around the block and you've heard this before. Jesus, when he talked about God, didn't use that King Jamesy word. He didn't even say Father. He used the word Abba. And it's not because he liked disco, although who doesn't? It's because that is a baby talk word. It means daddy, Abba. And so it's not even our father, it's our daddy. This idea of just primal closeness. This is a source that loves you with that pure love, but also something that you can love like a little baby loves. Because as you know, babies don't know about hate and fear. Babies aren't born racist, for example. You can't believe in original sin if you spent five minutes with a newborn, by the way. 
Well, I was going to say for me, it's just a simple reminder that it is close. It is a close relationship. It's a personal relationship. Nearer than hands and feet. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say, that's the exact quote I was going (laughs) to say. Um, We should do a podcast. I'd like that. Yeah. No, but that's, I think it's just not any more complicated than that for me. It is just a simple verbal reminder of the oneness that we that we have. Yeah, I am. You know, my life that that's in constant flux is is that water, and you need water to live, but you can't build a house on it. You know, you need you're looking for that the stone, the mm-hmm. rock of life, and so that rock that the water of life comes out from. To use that that uh, Moses image, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That foundation. I'm talking about that source that I can love and that loves me back, and it reminds me of what I deserve. As a child of God. Now, I actually, I'm glad I said that. I said that accidentally, but I'm glad I did. Because the other night I was teaching a Bible class. And I was talking about what you deserve as a child of God. And one of my students said, you know, I don't like that word deserve. Because that makes me think of ego stuff and selfishness and, you know, all of that. And I okay, said, I can, I I can get see it. that. I get okay, it. you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's picky-oon. But, yeah, but, but okay, but but if that if a word bothers you, a word bothers you. Different okay. stuff sticks out for different people. And the truth is, sometimes the convenient word isn't the the right word and sometimes there isn't a right word because we're talking about love stuff and mm-hmm. sometimes there just aren't words to express. So we, you know, we get as close as we can. And so what I said to this person is, "Look, you deserve the love of God." Just like you deserve gravity. It's just a part of who you are. And that's all I mean when I say the word deserve. It's, it is a natural I think part I, of you. I deserve oxygen, for example. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the same thing. You, you are made out of it. Right. Of course you deserve it. But it's, it's more than deserve. I deserve to have skin. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's that level. And because you're made out of love, of course you deserve love. It's who you are. You deserve happiness and and truth and power and empowerment. You deserve to be a part of making a world that works for everybody. You know, that whole thing. And so, yeah, I get it. Deserve seems like, well, I want to get mine. It's kind of a Veruca Salt kind kind of a vibe. And that's not what I mean at all. What is a bean feast? Oh, that's a British thing. Is it? It's it just means dessert stuff. Oh, a bean okay, feast okay. is like chocolate and. Cause that sounds nasty. Yeah, there's just, a lot of. Just, it's not like they're having legumes. <laughs> well, I know that they have like baked beans for breakfast. It, yeah, yeah, and, no, I get and it. And so it was like I I never looked that up, and it may sound silly, but I was like, what is? It? Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a British thing. All right. Yeah. Turn a phrase. Yeah. Okay. But. This is about understanding not what what's coming to you, but what's coming from you. And that's the important difference. And so when we say father, mother, or when we say daddy, mama, whatever, we're not talking about, you give me my thing that I am owed. Maybe that's the problem that's going on with your earthly parents a little bit. Who knows? For some people it is. But it's not about saying that because that implies distance. It's about saying, look, I happen to know that where I come from, my infinite, heavenly, spiritual creator is love itself, life itself, power itself, truth itself, freedom itself. I know that that's what I'm looking at as, the, as my paradigm. 
And if I'm made out of that, then what is my inheritance? And more importantly, what am I supposed to do with it? You know, because this is all about action, right? We've been talking about that all night. So we use the parental terms to remind us who we are. And who we are is love. Now it's time for you to check it out. And what we mean by that is this is all the times and all the things that we are going to be up to in the next couple of weeks. Places you can find us. And as always, the the best way to find us and to participate in the stuff that we're doing is to check out our website. There's links to everything. There's an event section. There's ways to, to come and find us. But we'll hit the high points right now. I am teaching a Bible class at First Unity Spiritual Campus. That's firstunity.org. And that's Tuesday evenings from 7 to 8.30. And we just had the second session of the Bible class, but we got a, it's a seven-week class, and it's not too late to come in. Five more weeks of it, so you're still right now at the beginning. So, even But like you said last week, even if you join one class, you're going to get something out of it. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And then I am doing the Sunday service at First Unity on uh, May the 21st. You're flying solo on that one. And then uh, on June 25th, we are in North Tampa at that Unity Church. We'll be doing the branching in service and a book signing and a workshop. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice to, you know, we only get, you know, 25 minutes, a half hour or so when we do the Sunday service to sort of just hit the high points. But in the course of a workshop, we can roll up our sleeves and work through some stuff. And we get a chance to talk through the ideas with some people, talk about the process and what it means to branch in. And by the way, we haven't talked about it uh, lately. Our book is called Branching In, The Journey from Alone to All One. You can find it on Amazon and all kinds of stuff. Or you can just go to branchingin.com to find out about the book that we wrote that changed our lives. Mm -hmm. And as always, you can join us Wednesday mornings at 7.20 a.m. for about a three and a half, four-ish mile walk to a coffee place and back. It's alongside the water. We talk about things. We are just out in nature. We Sometimes, sometimes we find rocks. Sometimes we find rocks. You never know. Um, but we always have a good time out there. Also, on Sunday evenings, about a half hour before the sunset, you can come and join a huge group of us. We have, we're celebrating the sunsetting together, and that's at St. Pete Beach. And if you're interested in either of those, please go to the website, check it out. Go to the Facebook. There's a bunch of information about it. Also, we are starting to live stream Thursdays at 8 p.m. our Bible discussion group. Yeah, we have we have people in our living room, just, you know, our close friends and stuff like that come gather in, in our living room on Thursdays. And that's a crazy thing, but that's how a lot of things start. And we're just so grateful. And and uh, so we, we start the live stream about 8 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday evenings. And, uh, you know, I talk about some kind of thing about the Bible, and it's been really good. And I'm just so delighted that so many people have listened. We've done zero advertising or anything, but I guess it's scratching an itch with somebody. And it's just really, really cool to to be a part of something. So thank you. If you were one of the people that, that watched it last week, and if you're going to tune in this week, thanks for doing that. Just so cool. So much fun. Dieter, let's wrap it up. The only thing 
different about Jesus is that he knew who he was. Everything that we do, in one way or another, is a way to remember what we're made out of. To remember our true nature. You know, our story, in a way, is that prodigal son story where you start out in this place of freedom and, you know, sometimes people choose to do something nutty with their inheritance. And the good news is, easy way, or like the prodigal son, hard way, eventually we learn. And there's that line when the prodigal son has gotten to this place where things are pretty bad. And he stands up and he decides to go home. The Bible says, and he came to himself. In other words, he remembered who he was. And he went home and that's when the party starts. Your job is to remember who you are and to show the world that light, that love. So what do you need to do to remember that? Prayer and meditation That's the process of getting out of God's way, of talking and listening. Do that in whatever way you need to do it. But remember, the less you need, the better. Spirituality is about traveling light. The Unity Society podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the beautiful orange couch. It's wonderful, delightful, glorious. (laughs) The couch belongs to our sound engineer, the handsome and strong Raina Randolph, and she's also half of the music that you hear in the breaks between sections on the podcast. The other half is college graduate and uh, the lovely and talented Miles Andrew Randolph. This podcast is solely supported by you. And by golly, you know what that means. It means two things. It means that our podcast is supported by people like you spreading the word. Somebody posted something on Facebook about the podcast and invited their friends to listen in. And man, that just absolutely made my day. Go tell your friends. Link about it. Post about it. Talk about it. Share it with somebody. If you got anything out of this at all, you know somebody who would benefit too. So share it with them. Share it with your world. So that's the first thing you can do. The other thing you can do is go to wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether that's iTunes or Amazon or Google Play or SoundCloud or Stitcher or TuneIn or whatever it is. If you found a a cassette tape in your mailbox, probably you didn't. But wherever you listen to this podcast, there is a mechanism to leave a review. So go and leave a five-star review, the highest review, because there's a magic thing that happens. The mechanism behind iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and so on When you leave the highest review, they start promoting our podcast too. And that's how this happens. That's the secret sauce of this sandwich. So so please, please, please spread the word and write a top review. And you're helping us do what we need to do. Have an amazing week. Remember to talk to God, but also remember to listen.